It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Good Tuesday morning to you, Austin, Texas. No Craig Way. No Jeff Al because, well, they're on a plane to Des Moines, Iowa right now, where I believe it's about 30 degrees. They'll be gone. Hopefully, maybe tomorrow we'll have Craig Way back and Jeff Howe possibly on the phone. We'll see. It's a busy week for those two guys as the Texas Longhorns begin their NCAA tournament run. But filling in across from me, the morning producer every day, on B&E. Big fan of SEMA and produces about 90% of everything you hear on the horn. It's Ty Henderson. Good morning, Ty. What's up, Cam? Finally getting our chance to shine today. I know. I'm glad you could. I'm glad you're able to fill in because so last night I got back from my round of golf at Lions uh, Muni. The greens are rolling. They're just so pure out there, Ty. I don't know if you've been to Muni yet. Um, Shout out Nolan Hogan. Get back. And my phone's blowing up with a group message from Chad, Jeff, and Craig. Craig, who believed he was going to be able to be here today, thought that the team would be leaving much earlier. Well, they decided, actually, we got to be going at 8.30 a.m. They had to be chartered, actually, taking a charter bus, the team, the staff, um, the Palm Squad, the cheer team. um, Everybody had to be chartered instead of just driving their own car. They had to meet up together, be chartered to the airport, dropped off, and then they had two separate flights being taken to Des Moines. So they're already there, or I believe they're in route. Jeff Howe, I believe his flight is leaving around 10, 11 a.m., so hopefully Jeff gets there safely. So Chad calls me. He's like, hey, what do you want to do? Uh, uh, <laughs> not sure. So my first thought was Ty Henderson and uh, called you, and now here we are, baby. First, I think the first time we've ever worked together on a show. I think so. Because we've, we've done Flex before. I don't think we've ever done flex at the really? same time, okay. though, because you're usually calling games on Fridays yeah, that's when, true. when we would do the flex that's show true. during during the season. We're keeping Derek Cohen in check. That's right. <laughs> and, yeah, and then I guess any – because Corey Guidry would produce all the Texas postgame shows between me and Say or me and Rodney Rodriguez. So, yeah, it's, it's the first time getting to work with you. Okay, well, this is fun then. So, have you guys – I know tournament season's here, so I figured we just go ahead and just, you know, go through – Have you done your bracket, bracket yet? I have not. Have you? I've done a few preliminary – you know, just yeah. I, pr- I printed out some for Bucky this morning, so I printed one out for myself and just kind of went through it quickly. I'm sure I'll make some changes before Thursday. So the consensus that I'm seeing from like non-Texas people on Twitter, I'm seeing a lot of Alabama, Texas, and quite frankly, that's pretty damn scary because usually when it's Texas, it's like okay, Texas is the team that's favored to lose in the first round, right? The last like five six years, but now it's like this year it's like the underdog stealth team. It's not Kansas. It seems like it's going to be Texas as the team that's picked the most win the national championship this year. I mean, how do you feel about being a favorite? I mean, I'd, I'd definitely rather be an underdog as a Texas fan. Yeah, well, I feel like we've always kind of been an underdog. I mean, th- what this team showed in the Big Twelve tournament after losing back to back games against Baylor, TCU, Marcus Carr had a you know really struggle down the stretch. Um, rebounding was awful. Could not play any defense. TCU, Baylor was making all kinds of shots. And then the comeback against Kansas, get a big win. And I think a lot of the consensus after that game was, well, KU already had locked up the regular season championship for the Big 12. Nothing to play for. Okay. You know, I, I could see that. But then in the tournament, without Timmy Allen, I mean, Dylan DeSue looked like a completely different player in Kansas City. Definitely. And there was some great text coming on the Specs text line. And I would love the eventually hear Craig and Jeff's take on this, but the lane may be more freed up without Timmy Allen because he's not a great outside shooter. His game is back to the basket or the mid-range. He lives in the paint. Yeah, he lives in the paint. That's fair to say, and he's a great player in the paint, but that also takes away from Dylan Nassou, who he does have a mid-range game, but it feels like his his mid-range game was forced because of all the bodies in the paint. It definitely looked a lot less clunky in the tournament. It without, did. So with, I'm curious, like, how does that affect Texas? Because you got to play Timmy Allen. 
I mean, he's yeah, he's yeah, been one of your yeah. leaders the last two years. He's definitely it's not like he's a, a detriment to this team uh, no. anyway. But I, I do I think the lineups could be switched up a little bit. I'd like to see Timmy Allen coming off the bench and kind of being in that Jabari Rice role where mm-hmm. you know if, if the team starts out a little sluggish, come in and kind of you know steer the ship in the right way, calm people down, get a little bit of consistent scoring off the bench. So if they went that way, I'd I'd, I'd like it. And I saw earlier a report today that he's he's available. Yeah, for, for this week's game. So, so. for Craig was reporting uh, that he probably could have played, but they would rather have Timmy Allen 100 percent for the NCAA tournament versus the Big 12 tournament because pretty much after. After the TCU game, Texas was locked into a two seed, and Kansas was probably locked into a one seed, no matter what, going into this. You tournament. You think there's anything they could have done to for Texas to get that one seed? I mean, obviously, probably, I think probably so. not. I, I, I would like to see them get it over Purdue, though. I don't think Purdue's a a bona fide one seed this year. Yeah, I'm out on Purdue. Uh, I don't know how you feel about uh, Zach Eady, and it's it's a really young front court with. Um, What's his name? Keegan Murray now in the in the Kings. So it's it's a pretty young team. Oh no, no. Keegan Murray was in Iowa. Iowa. So who is the? Um, it's on Purdue. Oh, uh, Jaden Ivy. Thank you, thank you, Jaden. Yeah, Keegan Murray. That's a good call. Yeah, without Ivy, and he's hadn't looked so hot in the NBA by the way, which is not a surprise. Um, I'm not begging Purdue. Uh, I'm not begging Purdue. I think I like Kansas a lot. I think Houston is a bad matchup for Texas. But looking at the first round, we got Colgate. First time being a two seed since 2008. Where were you at in 2008, Ty? I was in like fifth or sixth grade, I think. Or the highest seed, excuse me, since 2008. Over there at Forest Elementary across the street here. Okay, that's right. Westlake, born and bred. Great season for Rodney Rodney Terry and the Horns. Colgate, a really good three-point shooting team defensively. Um, Not so hot. I'm looking at their, their Ken Palm ranking. I know they have a hot offense. Um, Number one three-point three yep. shooting team in the nation, right? 44th offensive adjusted efficiency. Defensively, 231. Ugh. So if you're a little bit worried about the matchup, it was Abilene Christian two years ago when Texas lost in the first round. Well, Abilene Christian was a great defensive team. Offensively, they weren't good. Defensively, they were a nightmare. And that, that forced a lot of issues on Matt Coleman and the Texas, and the Texas guards. Other side, Colgate, I mean – Unless they shoot their, you know, their lights out, this is a game that Texas should have no issues. They've with. given, I mean, they gave Wisconsin and Arkansas in recent years a run for their money, though, in the first round. Yeah. So it's it's not a team to. You no, know, it's not a pushover. Like I think the spread point spread right now in that game is like fourteen. Like okay. Texas is favored by fourteen points, and I, I I still I don't know if we can win by that much. I would be happy with a ten point win in this, or just getting out of the first round yes. safely, no injuries. Uh, look good de- as long as we look good defensively. I know the offense will come eventually with, with some of these guards that that have been popping off recently. And that looming matchup in the second round potentially. Oh man! Would you ra- would you rather would you do you want to play a I think it's actually a good matchup for Texas. Do you? I think so. Well, do you? I don't. I don't think a and an athletic team at all. They got that big guy though that can. I mean, Texas has struggled with. Um, That's you know, true. Like Eddie thicker, Lampkin, thicker bigs like like Eddie Lampkin this year and Eddie last year in the tournament, and they play. Hellacious defense for Buzz Williams. They AM looked really good down the stretch. You got to credit Buzz Williams after a awful start. There was a lot of does AM have the worst combination of football basketball coach with Jimbo Fisher and Buzz, and um, even the beginning of baseball with a uh, yeah. But he's a great coach. That that's going to get turned around. Oh, I, I appreciated him calling out the, the Aggie fans. Yes, and you can't be doing that. Have you did you see this stupid barstool AM account tweeting out the the. A M picture. Have you seen that last week? No. Okay. So it's a Barstool AM account. I forget the stupid Twitter handle is something dumb about Aggies. Anyway, they tweeted a picture of a of a AM baseball player doing the, the gigum. Thumbs up, right? And in the background, there's a Texas fan. And the caption reads, There's always one of them. Guess where the picture was taken at? Where? Dishfalk Field. <laughs> AM is posting a picture about how there's a Texas fan at a Texas baseball game? Truly, I need Chad. They're a little H- slow. I need it's Chad okay. Hastings to either apologize or let us know what's going on with that fan base. Uh, more than a little slow. It, it's it's weird because it's A and M, and I don't think Texas fans want to lose to anyone else less or more. But than I don't A&M. think we want to beat anyone else exactly. Any, so if it's if Twitter will be either the greatest day of all time or it'll be the worst day of all time. It is one of those games where if Texas loses, delete Twitter, 
delete my delete every app on my phone. Well, we need pay, we media. need payback for baseball last year. That's true. I've I've until that was mentioned this week, I'd completely erased that from my memory. I was like, oh, who did we? Oh, we lost eight. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But, but even yeah, Penn well, State, they made a, they made a run to the Big Ten. I, yeah, I, I've right? been watching a lot of Penn yeah. State basketball this year. I mean, this this matchup against A and is kind of a clash of styles. Um, you know, they're a, they're a three point shooting team. If their shots aren't falling, they have they have no chance to win really. Um, I think Hackett is their number one scorer uh, guard. He's Jalen he, Pickett. Jalen Pickett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's good. Seventeen seven per game. Yeah. He's shooting fifty two percent from the floor. That's egregious. But I also I, I don't think they have a big above like six seven or six eight on their team. Yeah, which worries me against a very physical A and M team that's you know playing hard no de- defense and trying to get offensive boards. Uh, I think that could be a, an issue with them. But if Penn State gets three from hot or hot from three, sorry. Um, I I think they could you know be a Cinderella team in this tournament based off the way they've been playing late in the season. Line is A and M minus three and a half. Now they did play a pretty big big in the Big Ten. A lot of bigs in that sentence right there. A lot of uh, they played Purdue in the Big Ten conference championship, lost by two points, which is a pretty good sign for a team that's a number one seed. So if you're you know thinking about that pick, that might be a, a sleepy uh, a sneaky underdog pick for the win. My hope is that A&M pays more attention to uh, the Texas talk and gets a little uh, distracted. But overall, I think I like Texas's racket or region. Oh, yeah. I, I like th- being in the Houston definitely, side. Definitely. Xavier is a three seed. I'm not scared of Big East teams whatsoever. Um, I'm sorry, Shaka Smart and Marquette. Congratulations on a great season. I'm happy. They're the one team out of the Big East that that I think could threaten, you know, like yeah. an Elite Eight run this year. Uh just if, their style of play, and this maybe goes back to just having Shaka as our head coach. But if you, it's a completely different team than it was at Texas, and it's more of his fit and style. But at the same time, as you told me that Michigan State beat him in the second round, I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, no, it wouldn't yeah. be surprising at all based off his tournament history in the last ten years. I mean, he hasn't won a game in the tournament in ten years. But yeah, that's true. And, it's crazy. But they have a, they have a decent size region, so. Should we just go through the entire bracket? I mean, what else are we going to talk about? So the first four seeds, obviously, Kansas, Purdue, Alabama, Houston. We'll start on the Texas side of the Midwest. So we have Houston, which I think – I know a lot of people are picking for Houston upsets. Um, technically, they're the best team in college basketball, if you're going off analytics. Number 11, offense. Number 4, defense. Uh, haven't really played anybody. I think their best one this season is – what would you say, Ty? I mean, I believe they lost to Alabama early in the season, correct, at the uh, – non-conference yeah, play i'm pretty sure i'm not too from i mean just them playing the american this I'll year I, I didn't get to watch them that much i'm gonna be honest but i mean when i have they're definitely probably them in alabama the top two teams i've watched this year just based off of pure talent um they're very long which i i, I mean they're looking at a second round matchup against either iowa or auburn if they play iowa i just see them you know physically and athletically overpowering an, an iowa team that you know mm-hmm. typically is more um, slower paced and rely, yeah. relies on uh, tempo to kind of you know secure secure their game style. So I mean, yeah, I I did have them losing in the second round to Iowa in this oh. bracket I was telling you about. Oh, but like I said, a lot of changes. Right. a lot of changes could be made. Um, but yeah, I mean, does Miami do anything for you in in the Midwest? Yeah, I I've I'm been burned by Miami so many times the last. They like were good six last years. year in the tournament, yeah. weren't they? The one year I didn't freaking pick them. <laughs> the one year I was riding Jabari Smith, I'm like, man, this Auburn team. And then Auburn's guards were like, you know what? We have the number three pick of the NBA draft on our team. We're not going to give them the ball at all whatsoever down the stretch. Was Walker Kessler, on, was he on that team, or is he a, is he a rookie this year in the NBA? The he's, a rookie, he's a rookie for the Jazz. He's, so he was on that Auburn team last year. I thought he came from. He transferred from Michigan State to Auburn, I think. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, he might have been. I, I think I heard that last night when I was watching the Jazz game. Let me do a quick look. Double check as well. Um, I'm so out of my. Uh, yeah, he was uh, UNC, and then he transferred oh, to UNC. Auburn. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he I, was with Auburn. How that? I don't even remember him playing on that team last year. Well, it's because their guards just completely neglected Kessler and Jabari Smith, who ended up being two of the best players. On or two of the best players in the NBA. Crocker Kessler now is an incredible NBA big man. Him and Laurie Markkinen. If you wanna, if you're big on white people playing basketball, watch, watch Utah, the Utah Jazz. Jazz. I mean, Laurie Markkinen. Good God. Uh, back on Houston, real quick, Ty. So yeah, the best one this season, 
beat number two Virginia on the road, 69-61. Virginia is a, what, top five seed? Four, I think. Yeah, four seed. Lost to Alabama um, at home by, I just lost the, 71-65. So not a bad loss. Um, Alabama, what are your thoughts on Alabama? Do you think, I love what Brandon, Brandon Mills is doing. Miller. Miller. But overall, everything he's doing in life, <laughs> no, not to get into that. But yeah, no, oof, I, that's a low one. I actually in this in this bracket I filled out, I have Alabama losing to West Virginia in the second round too. Do you have any one seeds winning any games? This, in I have bracket? KU winning the entire thing. Okay, I, like but I, only, I only have one one seed in the final four. Um, but Alabama is another team that you know is very good offensively. But when they have a bad game, it's their defense. They're just playing Ole defense yeah. the entire time, and I, I could see. Uh, Either Maryland or West Virginia challenging them in the second round. Both those teams are hard-nosed teams. Um, don't have a lot of quit in them. Alabama, I feel like if you punch them in the mouth early, they could they could you know crumble pretty yeah. easily. What I do like about Alabama is the game against Arkansas. Um, they won by three points, and I believe Miller fouled out. They started they started off bad, but the rest of the team still found a way to pick up the team or pick up the rest of the scoring. And I like that a lot from teams that feature oh, one good player. Yeah, I mean, it, beyond him, they still have Yeah, Javon Quinterly, he's a really good guard. They can shoot the lights out of the ball. I know that. And that's the thing. It's like hot, shoot, hot shooting teams like that is what like you lean towards those, I feel like, in March, but then they're the ones that burn you the yeah, most. Yeah, because it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You know, when they're not hitting, it's it, it, it's not a seven-game series or a three-game series. Like, it's it's that one day, and if you're not hitting your shots, you can you can be one of these best teams in the nation and easily lose to a team that you're far superior uh, talent-wise. What's your final four, then? Okay. Um, like I said, this will probably be different by Thursday, but right now I have Arizona, Kansas State, Texas, and KU. So three Big 12 teams. You said Arizona State? No, Arizona, sorry. Arizona. K-State. K-State. Texas. KU. Interesting. So Arizona is that team for me that, like, if I turn on ESPN at, like, 10 o'clock at night, they're always on because of the Pac-12 after dark. Dave Tash, Bill Walton's on the the call. Bill Walton's wearing a tie-dye shirt talking about uh, Grateful Dead. Licking frogs. Licking frogs. Conference of Champions, as he likes to call it. It's like, oh, man, Arizona looks so good. And, like, yeah, it's because they're – they're playing Oregon State, dude. Oh yeah, I mean, I think, and that's uh, why I'm out on them. Like, I'm, I love Courtney Ramey so, so much. much. Talent, though, I know the po- they have. I mean, they have like three big men that are seven, seven plus. I know plus and can shoot. And it's I, I watched them play uh, UCLA in that uh, Pac-12 championship game. UCLA looks pretty good too. Yeah, but they're just uh, once again they're down to like seven guys in their rotation because of injuries. Yeah, I and mean, if if their if their big man fouls out. They don't have that. Uh, Hawkes is playing center for them, and you know that it's a very resilient team with a very resilient coach, um, which I never, I never can count them out. But I also have them losing in the second round as well uh, to Northwestern. They have that like Azulis Tubeless kid. Uh, I love watching him play basketball, and then they have that the big center Balo, I believe his yeah, name. He fouled out of the UCLA oh, game. About, yeah, or. He plays for Arizona, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, he was really good. I mean, he was hitting his free throws. I, he, that's his one of his the chinks in the armor of his game. But if if you, that guy is playing well and they're getting the offensive reborn, rebounds they were getting against UCLA, I could see that uh, Arizona going very far in this tournament. The thing with Arizona is, is just like it was with Texas the last few years. It was like how well does Courtney Premi play? Can you count on Ramey? You can't like, count on him because like I mean, when he, he goes through it, like he'll have games like a few games this year where he starts off he's like four for four from the field. Like two three pointers on fire, and then it's like, yeah, he finished four for nineteen actually. Well, he his first bucket of the game against UCLA was the game winning three. Yeah, he scored three points. Yeah, exactly, it was a so, back three, and and you're, you can always count on him to play hard on defense. Though I think it's the biggest thing for them because really they're not they're not playing through their guards as much. As, so do you think they get past? What's your what's your Sweet Sixteen matchup? Um, Baylor and Arizona, or do you have Baylor dropping out early? I have Arizona and San Diego State. Oh my goodness! You're all over the place here. I know. Oh, no, wait, wait, no, wait, no. Sorry. Are what's you ta- your What's your Sweet Sixteen? Oh, okay, Alabama, San Diego State, Baylor, and Arizona. Okay, so you have Arizona beating Baylor. I could easily see Baylor losing though, and to Creighton or not NC State, but if Creighton can get past NC State, I mean, they are another team that can shoot the lights out of the ball and have some big guys that can give Baylor some problems down low. My worry about Baylor is okay. What's the health of Keontae George? And their defense has just not been great this year. They're one of the worst defensive teams 
in the country out of the out of the top like power five schools, one oh fourth, and he adjusted the pinch of offensively. Um number two offense though, one twenty one point nine. Um only behind UCLA. Or excuse me, only behind Gonzaga. So What's the metric that's you have to be top thirty? You have to be a top thirty-five efficient offense and defense. I think every NCAA winner in the past like twenty-five years. So I mean that's something to definitely look at if you're when you're building my brackets. I haven't gone through those numbers yet, but a team like Baylor, like you said, that's what a hundred ninth rated defensive team in the nation. Mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always it's it's like odd even. It's like one year they're Sweet Sixteen, the next year they're like round of thirty two. Or like one year the Elite Eight, Final Four, next year for Baylor. Win. Yeah, I'm always on the wrong side of that. Just like Miami, just like Miami. It's like okay, Baylor, yes. Final Four, nope. Gonna gonna be upset in the first round to uh, UC Santa Barbara. Um, real quick, we got some text coming in the Specs text line five one two three three seven three seven seven six. Please blow us up. Kansas State tie is that because of the path they have to get there? Yeah, um, I have Providence beating Kentucky in the first round, and uh, I mean, I don't see either of those two teams a threat to Kansas State. I just think uh, Kansas State, they've they've been a very consistent team all year. Um, I have them beating Marquette, you know, in the Sweet 16. Okay. And then I have Duke, you know, getting to the Sweet 16 as well in that, you know, playing hot at the end of the year um, and them beating Duke as well. I just think they're the most consistent uh, on both sides of the ball. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, this could easily change, but right now, Kansas State in my Final Four. That's a weird the, – the East East region is so weird. Number one seed's Purdue, who lost to St. Peter's after they beat Texas last season in the uh, Sweet 16. Memphis, who just won, I believe, the American Athletic Conference yes, Championships, yes. playing FAU. Shout out Tom Herman. Duke and Earl Roberts. Duke, they have, what, three of the top 100 freshmen in the country. have They're hitting just, their stride right now. Flip out, Flipowski, looking good. Another white boy, solid. Tennessee, Louisiana. Tennessee's just one of those Rick Barr teams that you know uh, lost their point guard. Though. Lost their point guard. He's out for sure. Yeah, towards ACL. That's a bummer. Kentucky, Providence, Kentucky. They started off really bad. Kind of turned it around the very end of the season. Got some big wins. Uh, they beat Tennessee. I believe they swept Tennessee on the season. And K State, who lost to TCU in the Big Twelve tournament. Um, TCU did shoot the lights out. Mike Miles had a had a really good game. That was definitely more of a must win for TCU than it was for Kansas State. It's hard. how do you how do you handicap the conference tournament? I just do you, I, do you care as much? No, or? no. I mean, I think it's awesome that we won, and I think you should play to win every game. But I don't think there should be any weight uh, coming in. coming you know put into it when you're considering who you're picking in the tournament. See, I, I'm big on Kansas losing because I think that's going to wake them up even more. I think their loss to Texas and then the season was like, yeah, we already have our conference championship yeah, wrapped up. Never and then cared. you lose Bill Self, you lose McCullers for the tournament. I think they're going to come in. I think they're going to they're going to just destroy the West region. They and, have one of the easier paths. And then real quick, back on East. So the 710 is Michigan State USC, and the 215 is Marquette in Vermont. Uh, shout out the Catamounts. Any any thoughts on maybe Vermont pulling off the upset? Did you think about maybe choosing that in your, your bracket? That wasn't one of the. I mean, I, I what what is it like? Every three years, a fifteen seed beats a beats a two. What was the last one? Wait, uh, last Duke? year, was, last year. Okay, right. It was St. Peter's last year. That's right. Yeah. Um, I don't have any this year. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what your Cinderella story is. I mean, I think we got to take a break, but whenever we get back, we definitely. I want I want to lay out at least two or three. Bonafide Cinderella. Ten well, it sounds seed like or your above. entire bracket is Cinderella. No, stories. no, no. Just the first. <laughs> you got you to pick. You got to pick some upsets in the first, second round, and then things end up, usually end up evening themselves out. Vermont 99th offensive adjusted efficiency, one fifty three on defense. So if you're looking at a possible, okay, you just one, hit, one you, thing on Marquette, which is hilarious, is that they have one of the best offenses in the country, and it felt like trying to score a bucket under Shaka in Texas was. Like trying to get Bucky to come in five yeah. days a week. I, I feel like you just you're you're uh, disdain for Shaka Smart. I just don't have disdain. Like I love I love Shaka. he's a great guy. I just it was the most frustrating sick five years of basketball I've ever seen yeah. in my life. He needs to prove it in the tournament. Again. He does. He does. And a great point coming in from the Specs text line. We talked about Shaka not winning a game for ten years. Neither is Ronnie Terry. That's true. But Ronnie Terry probably has the best roster he's ever coached in his entire life as a head coach right here. And you, you'd think. 
What what's your what's your what is Ronnie Terry like? You think he's locked in as a head coach, or what? What do you think he has to do? Sweet, I think if he makes it to the Sweet Sixteen, really? that's they won't have a choice but to give it to him unless you can secure like a Jay Wright, you know, the day after. I don't think I don't think you should be searching too far um, if he gets that far in the tournament. I mean, when's the last time we went to? Two thousand eight's the last time Texas has been in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, fifteen years. That's... Lost the lost the Memphis Derrick Rose team. CDR, Chris Douglas Roberts. It's been, yeah, so, 14, I mean, 15 years. I've learned. I mean, I, I have him in my Final Four, but to not expect too much. But if if there was ever a year to, to hope for a, a deep run, I think this is the year. Going in, well, after the Chris Beard news, there was two coaches that I liked a lot. It was Nato to Alabama and Eric Musselman at, at Arkansas. Arkansas had a good run last year, and then this year – a little bit of a younger team, but the SEC was just so wide open. I felt like they, it was right there for them to grab it. At least finish, at least finish third. Couldn't even do that. Now, of course, if they, they pull were off a run here and they upset Kansas, but even then, just I'm I'm just kind of out of muscleman. You have your assistant coach shoving, taking a reporter's phone, a student reporter's phone, and throwing it to the ground. Do you see that? Then no. at the, their loss to A and M in the SEC tournament, walking off the court, Musselman's furious. He's pissed off. Right. And a student reporter, you know, they have the right. They're just filming them walking off the court. You know, not too close. Assistant coach comes in, takes the kid's phone, and throws it to the ground. Yeah, that's not a good look. And then you got Nate Oates. Does, that, that, Musselman does seem like a very emotional guy. Like, he can let his emotions get the best of him sometimes. You know what he sounds like? What, like Chris, Chris Beard? Beard? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean there's a lot, of, like, a lot of coaches are like this, it seems like, who, you know, um, and then with Nate Oates, he just kept talking and can't, saying stupid stuff. Can't hire that guy. Yeah, and you, you cannot surprised justify. I'm surprised he's I mean, obviously he's coaching the best team and or one of the top two teams in college basketball, but if I was leading that athletic program, I don't think he would be my coach. As uh, some Alabama fans have created T-shirts out of, Nate Oates has just been telling his way through the SEC in 2023. Jeez. Jeez. But yeah. with those two guys out, I mean, Mike Bray is open. He hasn't done much at Notre Dame. You mentioned Jay Wright. Um, you know, that's that would be technically a home run hire. But I think for, for CDC and Rodney Terry, I think as long as you don't get humiliated like the Colgate, I think he's fine. Because at this point, really? there's no one else that's open. And you don't have to, you know, if it doesn't work out next year, you can find someone else. Maybe someone else pops up. But right now, there is not a no-brain hire. It felt like Chris Beard was, at the time, a no-brainer hire because of his relationship with Texas, right? He was a student here. We knew it was going to happen eventually. It, the whole just, time he was they all, like There was always just kind of rumors about Beard, the Texas. You, he had his final fun, he had his final four run. But for, for right now, it just I don't, I don't see that go-to coach. And I think what Ronnie Terry has done, considering like you lose your head coach in the middle of the season and you win the Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship, you finish second, and you earn the highest seed since 2008. He there definitely was, deserves it. There was he had the entire he had the entire conference season for the for the season to going down in the drain. Like he he won the Big 12. Con- it wasn't Chris. It was sure it was Chris Beard's teams coming in, but he made it his team, and that th- that's why I think Rodney Terry has to stick around for at least one more year. You know, barring a massive upset, the Colgate. All right, coming up next, we're gonna get into our. Our Longhorn Notebook, Inconceivable, and more as Hour 1 of Light the Tower on the Horn continues. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Hour one of Light the Tower. Craig Way and Jeff Howe are in Des Moines. So you're hearing the sweet, sultry tones of Ty Henderson and the possible belching. We're not sure yet. We got a hot mic situation, possibly. I'm Kevin Parker. Thanks for joining us here on the horn. Just two days away from March Madness kicking in. Texas Longhorns are a two-seed. We're going to go ahead and get into today's Hour 1, the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan 
expert. So we'll keep it real quick here. Uh, check out horns247.com in the flagship message board. Uh, last night, Mike Roach put up a, a good piece on some few crystal balls for some several in-state prospects. You might have, if you follow, do you follow the uh, Longhorn Crystal Ball Twitter account, Ty? I do not. Really? Okay. That's, that's to, a follow. That's a follow. That's a good one. Um, so last night, the 2024 season starting to heat up. Seven on seven, it's about to come up. And uh, Jordan Johnson Ruble was a guy uh, that was crystal balled yesterday. He's a safety uh, from IMG Academy out in Bradenton, Florida. Um, four star right now, five foot ten, one eighty three. Being looked at by Michigan, Oklahoma, Oregon, TCU. Uh, Blake Gideon's been really working on him. It sounds like uh, Mike Roach has a confidence level of him in six. So safety, you know, is a big spot for Texas. A smaller class this year brought in Jalen Catalan from Arkansas to fix things up. Lope Blackwell had a really good year to end it. He may end up at linebacker though with Demo. So. Jordan Johnson Ruble, a name to look out for in the 2024 class. Another one is an offensive lineman. You know how uh, Coach Flood loves the uh, loves the big humans up front. Tie uh, Daniel Cruz from Richland High School in Texas. Currently just a three star, but ways away. Also a crystal ball. This one coming in as a seven. Also being looked at by Alabama. So if you ever get worried about you know three star rankings, kid to watch out for. Uh, he's a big center. Kyle Flood has been on him early. Uh, Ohio State also starting to get involved, too, so it looks like it's going to be a race between possibly Buckeyes in Texas. Uh, another one, uh, Lucas Lovejoy receiver, Parker Livingston. He was crystal ball to Texas. I mean, geez, how many kids? Uh, three-star between him and Texas and Arkansas, it seems like. Um, six foot three, 183. That's a pretty big kid. Uh, another name that was crystal balled recently yesterday. And then Mike Roach had one other kid uh, running back from Longview out in uh, Beast, Texas, as Justin Wells likes to call it. Uh, Taylor Tatum, a four-star running back, five foot ten, one ninety-five. He was recently just crystal balled to Texas. Michigan still was deemed to be the, the favorite going in. Um, it looks like maybe that has changed over the last couple weeks. Um, what the Shard Choice is doing as a running backs head coach, recruiting-wise, has been pretty impressive, Ty. I'm surprised he didn't jump to the NFL this year. It, it was it was rumored that he possibly would. Um, I believe 247 even had a report about it that he was kind of mulling that. Uh, we already saw Brandon Marion jump to UNLV. But it looks like Tashar Joyce is going to hang on for another year. Sark's made some really good hires for assistant spots. I feel like during the 2010s, we had... I can't even name all the OCs we had, the line coaches we had, running back, receivers coach. We've because we've had what one every two years. It feels like even Definitely. even since then. But it feels like we've had some some turnover here at Texas. But that's because those are guys who are being promoted. Ty, they're not like going from Texas to South Florida. Yeah, I, and I think the the Chris Jackson hire this year was a was huge because I, I mean. Mm-hmm. In the last five years, I don't. The wide receivers haven't gotten the the best coaching. I think based off of what we've nope. seen on the field, uh, development wise, you know, a lot of guys come here, and it seems like you know the Devin Devin Duvernay is the best example of it. It seems like you get here, uh, you know, all world talent, fast as hell, um, and never really gets to the point where we, you know, like never. Achieve their full potential. Never develop Ever. into the receiver that. And I think Jordan Winnington. Is an example yeah. of that, and a lot of that could be his under- injuries, his injuries, and underutilization um, from Sark last year. But well, even uh, then, he's—I mean—he's had—he's been here for what five, six years, and he's had three, four, yeah. five new coaches at OC at wide receivers. So it's tough as it a player. Help. It like I feel like it's kind of un- not thought about enough that these play- kids they need coaches to help develop them. Right? It's not just like yeah, you got the talent, but someone has to turn them into that all world talent that you see, right? I mean, the three, four, three stars, four stars, five stars, that's based on their potential, what they can turn into. But it doesn't matter if you can't turn a kid and develop them. Well, the report coming on Horns247.com, Chip Brown on the Rodney Terry situation. I asked you, Ty, top of the hour about what would it take for him to be hired on as a full-time head coach. Well, Chip Brown's reporting that nothing has been decided at this point. This is coming from a high-ranking university source to 247. One step at a time, the source said. Terry, of course, was named the acting head coach of UT on December 12th after the Chris Beard shenanigans. Uh, 
When asked about it, I believe after the 20 or the the 75-59 win over Kansas following the end of the regular season, so not the Big 12 Conference Championship game, the regular season win, Terry just said right now it's not about me. I think my body of work regarding coaching, recruiting, and leading a program speaks for itself. My expectation going forward is to continue this journey as a head coach at the highest level. There is still a lot of work to be done this season. We're not satisfied. We're very hungry for more. So when Beard was was let go, it felt like the rest of the season was going to be a year-long coaching interview for Roddy Terry. Yeah, I mean... Do, do I would you, give him, like, what would you, as a grade? Right now? A. A, yeah. Yeah, so at that point then, how could you move on from him in, unless you have, like, a just a complete the, mess re- up? The, the regular season doesn't matter, you know? Do, okay. You just got to get to the dance, and you got to perform when you get there. I mean, you said as long as there's not a catastrophic collapse against Colgate this week that he deserves the job. I said Sweet 16 because that's somewhere that no other head coach in the last 15 years has been able, been able to achieve with this program. I think if you get to that point, you don't have any other option but to hire the guy that got you there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't necessarily assemble this team, but he's been around the team the entire time. He's been a coach with the team. He's obviously uh, the players have bought into him and his and his culture. Uh, from what I've heard, the the recruit, recruits love him. Had a bunch of guys out there. Um, I, forgot, I forgot which game it was, but Craig was saying they had you know 10, 15. Ron Holland. Yeah, he said. I mean, Ron Holland was there, but along AJ with Johnson. Because you know, I I. I asked Craig about what what is like. Are they still recruiting right now? I mean, yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, hell yep. yeah, they are." And it, I mean, I get you can't just stop and assume that you're not going to be the head coach next year and just not like. That, I think that's another. That's fifty percent of it. Can you keep these guys? Can you continue to recruit guys? But also, can you win on the biggest stage? Which we'll find out real soon. Text coming in. Sometimes the best choice is the most obvious. Rodney Terry is it, and and I agree. Unless like like Jay Wright, like that's. That's one name. It's like okay, I but, would not be disappointed. But also, I would not be disappointed if you just hang on the Rodney no, Terry. No, no, no. And I think I'd, he definitely deserves it. From from where I'm standing, like I, that guy has done everything he can given the position he was put in. Um, and it, I I would understand if they went a different direction. But I, he's he's the guy right now. But just win and march. And along with like the wins comes with can you recruit. And so far, after Beard put together a really good recruiting class with a couple of top 100 guys, so far it just says that they're going to stick. With uh, Ron Holland yesterday tweeted out the uh, Longhorn emoji. You see that, Ty? I didn't, but that's awesome. I'm guessing that you know that could mean anything. You could just watch Spider Man. I mean, don't the, know. the fact that these guys, Ron Holland and I, I forget the other AJ Johnson, AJ Johnson yeah. from California, right? Yeah. Uh, the fact that they didn't immediately reopen their recruitment yeah. when Chris Beard was let go is a, is a huge sign on where they stand. And I'm sure at some point they did. I mean, because now recruiting, like if you're committed, that doesn't mean anything until it, you sign. Yeah. And it sounded like for a little bit that Ron Holland was still considering his options as I'm sure the other the other kids were the same point but they never never decommitted right and like they had would you have blamed any of them if they decided to leave no, not Ron Holland or AJ Johnson and they didn't so far they uh, they have stuck to their commitment and um I mean obviously they also, they also signed as well so but I think Texas would obviously you know let them get out of that considering the relationship with the situation that they're in. And so far they stuck, they stuck to their signature and it sounds like they're both going to return or both come to 40 acres this summer, which I think is a huge for, for coach Terry. Well, this is a team that's what losing five, six guys potentially. So, I mean, whether that's, whether you're going to have to replace them through the transfer portal or, you know, you already have two high profile recruits coming in. Mm -hmm. I think next year will be, if he does get the job, which I think he will, if he, like I said, performs in, uh, in this tournament, I think next year will be a true tell of how good a coach he really is. Because, I mean, he was set up for success with this roster when he did take over this year. Um, but if he can maintain that with a whole new group of players, I, I mean, I, how could you I mean, say he doesn't deserve the position? Losing Timmy Allen. He'll be gone. Serge Barry Rice. Marcus Carr, for sure. And Christian Bishop. But it could, could lose to Sue, too. The Sue, too. I think, depending on... How he plays in March, the last few games, I don't, from what I've seen projection-wise, he's like a borderline NBA draft pick, maybe second round. His best chance is possibly being signed to a G League team, but he's played pretty well the last few games. If he if he has a big tournament, maybe if he tests well, I mean, he has the frame. He just was was held back from his injury. Last season finally looks like the, the player 
that he was recruited out of Pflugerville for. But he may return. Brock Cunningham will be back. Dylan Mitchell will be back. Arterry Morris will be back. Tyrese Hunter, I would assume, would be back. And then um, Rowan Brumbra, also he redshirted. So, But as Shooter. you mentioned, it's going to be a very I mean, a young team. So you got to imagine that Rodney Terry, someone's going to hit the transfer portal, depending on if Ron Holland, AJ Johnson, ready to go. I'm sure Ron Holland, Ron Holland will will play from the first game, just like Mitchell and Morris. Not too sure about AJ Johnson. Uh, I can't see how it wouldn't get any. I minutes. mean, you have to imagine they bring in at yeah. least one or two yeah, transfer at this transfer point. guys that are you know impact players, like a Sir Jabari Rice or mm-hmm. a, uh, Timmy Allen. I, I mean, I feel like that's every team is going to do that. From here on out, with with the new rules and everything, it's. I, I mean, Aaron said this morning that 176 guys already, entered, already in one day entered the transfer portal. Oh, the first day of the season was officially over. You know, it will be a hot uh, transfer portal destination for basketball this next year. Where Ole Miss? Oh man, my yeah. So my girlfriend went to Ole Miss. Okay, and I haven't got a chance to talk to her yet. But her initial reaction before the the hire happened was she was not happy about it. Well, you, I, you you haven't talked to her at all since the hiring, or so like I, she she was in California. She got in last night. We were tired. I yeah, you know, I just didn't even think to bring that up. But I <laughs> I'm sure she's bought in now. Knowing I have a bunch of friends who went to Ole Miss, and it seems like um, they don't really care as long as they're you know in a position to win. Yeah, and Chris not, and Chris Beard will definitely improve that program overnight. As we saw with the NATO situation, most of the SEC schools they don't they don't really care too much, especially Ole Miss. I'm excited um, we'll get to see him here in a few years though. Yeah, I, I told Jeff how you might want to take the weekend off when Texas almost plays because I can't imagine what the flagship message board will read. <laughs> if if almost wins that game and there Chris Beard's going to have a one to two year, maybe even three year rebuilding project at Ole Miss. They, they have not been the same since uh, Marshall Henderson. Shout oh, out yeah. Henderson. Oh yeah. That was my guy. One of the yeah, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time without a doubt. Um as we wrap up this first hour long for notebook, just a real quick note on the women's basketball team. So unlike the men's, you can actually watch the women's basketball team here at home, the Moody Center, earning a number four seed, a possible rematch against uh, Louisville. But the first game is Saturday night against East Carolina, number 13. That'll be the first round game. I believe it's set, scheduled for a 9 p.m. tip-off. You can buy those tickets online. Um you can do the entire session. You can do it just for the Texas game. But you can purchase go to texassports.com. Or you can listen to it right here on a 105.3, the bat. And if Texas will advance to the round of 32, they'll play the winner of the five-seed Louisville in number 12-seed Drake. All right. Coming up next, uh, Inconceivable. You got some good stuff for us, Ty? I got some, I got some got weird a few stories. stories. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Inconceivable coming up as hour one of Light the Tower continues. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Inconceivable with Cameron Parker and Ty Henderson. Ty, uh, I'll start off. And this one is oh my god. This is this is why I don't date anybody, Ty. Are you uh are you a cheeseburger guy? Oh yeah, big time. When you go on dates, so what was your first date meal with your current girlfriend? <laughs> Who's got a great text? Uh, we got to read eventually and throughout the show. Uh, we we actually went to Applebee's. Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> it was kind of a joke, but not at the same time. <laughs> oh, okay, what'd you order? Would you do? Do you do like the two for twenty thing or um, dollar? I forget what we ordered for food, but I remember trying to get drinks, and our waitress seemed like she was on some kind of substance. <laughs> She was probably she, working her third straight she, she shift. She'd been a chatterbox, and she would come back about every two minutes being like, oh, y'all good? Y'all good? Y'all good? And we, were, me and my the current girlfriend, first first date ever, were just laughing our asses off. It was, uh, we'll definitely have to go back to Applebee's soon. It was, uh, it was a good time. Good memories. That's great. Well, I, I don't know if this girl would like it. So <laughs> this is coming out of the U.K., I believe. Woman blasted for ditching date after he didn't order extra cheese on his hamburger. Hmm. A woman has been slammed for ditching her date because he didn't want to spend an extra two and a half pounds to have cheese on his burger. Daf- so it wasn't even her burger. No. Daphna Diamond from New York. Oh, she's from New York. That's a bummer. Shared how she met up with a man she'd been speaking to on a dating app, but ended up walking out of the restaurant because she didn't agree with his attitude towards spending. 
She explained she ordered a Branzino dish, a mild white fish popular in Italian cuisine, while he chose a hamburger. Server asked, would you like extra cheese on that burger? He asked, how much would it cost? Server says it's an extra extra two and a half pounds, which is $3 in American money. He said no thanks. So she ate her meal, then left. Hmm. Walked out, didn't say anything, sent him a text message saying, I paid for your check. You should have got the cheese and then blocked him. Sounds like he dodged a bullet on this one. Here's the best part. She went to TikTok afterwards because nothing is done without turning into a social media bit now. Went on TikTok, explained herself, and she got roasted on TikTok. Is this why I'm single, said one user? Because I'm not paying $3 for cheese either. Another user added, justice for cheese man. I agree. Yeah, justice for cheese man, for sure. Also, $3 for cheese? Yeah. Kind of stupid. But also depends on what the restaurant you're going to. Uh, I love her. Got to have Sanders says colon bossed. <sighs> I don't know, Ty. What? W- w- what's your thoughts on this? I mean, like I said, this guy dodged a bullet. He probably, I mean, if this was the first date experience, this guy would have been dealing with this to a much uh, larger extent for uh, the duration of them dating, I would have to guess, right? The, I mean, I understand from her point where she's thinking, okay, maybe he's just being, he's like cheap, and this is how it's going to be the entire maybe just relationship. Like is that is it more the cheeseburger or the cheese? Well, there's no. He didn't ask for extra for any cheese. They asked him. It was just a hamburger. The server asked, "Do you want cheese on this?" What? And he asked, well, "How much?" Waiter said three dollars. He said no, and that's how the first date ended. If I was the girl, I would have taken more issue with the fact that he ordered a cheeseburger at what seems like was a pretty nice Italian restaurant. That's true. From what she ordered, which is something I I would totally do, but not on a first date. I don't like finger foods on a first date. Because then you're, it's like then getting, you got like like getting wings. Because I like I like extra mayo and ketchup on my hamburgers, and then like your hands are like you know, and then I like French fries. Uh, I, I don't know. I gotta do something with a fork. You, you look you look more. I think you look more attractive eating with a fork than you do with your hands. That's just me. Some would say the opposite. All right, what do you got for <laughs> us here? So a Florida man. Yeah, I know where this is going. Uh, has been charged with impersonating a Safeway agent and stealing $432,000 worth of crab. And before, no, this isn't Jameis Winston. He did not make a return crab okay. leg experience, uh, stealing experience. He had to resign with the Saints, so. Yeah, I did see that him. today. Good for him. You know, kind of taking that backup role. Uh, but yeah, so he, this man allegedly pretended to be a Safeway employee in Washington, Washington, Florida. I don't know where that is. Ordering nearly half a million worth of crab in an effort to transfer to seafood. The oh order never goodness. went through, but somehow he ended up getting some of this crab. He got arrested for a DUI. They found they find some evidence to uh, link him with this crab stealing incident because they had no idea how this happened in the first place. Uh, and now and then he booked a one way ticket to Colombia, and then they picked him up at the airport. So, Colombia, Colombia, the the country, like Bogota. Yes, he was trying to he was trying to split with the crabs. No, I think his whole. I think that was busted, and he realized that his days were numbered. And- so he woke up, and he was like, I'm going to splurge on half a million dollars worth of crab. Didn't work out. And then his next thought was, I'm going to book it to Columbia. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he obviously didn't. I mean, it was a pretty good plan. <laughs> to, I mean, he, yeah. he got the order. The order went through. I mean, he report- he, uh, let- he fraudulently impersonated a Safeway employee named Christopher Delgado. And sent a uh, fake purchase order to Arctic Seafoods in California, and they they did send the crab. He ordered it from out of state. Yeah. No, there's like video of him like in the Safeway warehouse with like a clipboard. Like he was straight That's up wild in the warehouse impersonating so, an employee. My guess is he was going to try and pick it up and then what resell it? And yeah, make no, some bank it off sa- it. It says here he did actually make a few sales, um, but he was inevitably caught <laughs> because of his DUI. <laughs> Well, my plan didn't work. Going to Columbia. That's uh, a bummer. All right. Are you a Costco, Sam's Club guy at all? Never been. Okay. They have really good pizza. Uh, I think my grandma's a member. Not hot sure. dogs, too. I haven't had their hot dogs before. I've heard good things about their hot okay. dogs. Well, so I guess the the UK version of Costco is called Tesco. Real original, right? 
Well, a man who is a Tesco club card member, you know how they have cards, right? Yeah. You know, you scan it. He didn't go with, uh, he, w- he went with the walletless version. And I'm not talking about one on your phone. He got a QR code scanned and tattooed on his right forearm. Does it work? It does. Dean Matthew, 31, said he got the QR code permanently inked on his arm because he would keep forgetting it at the store. It's been eight months since he went public with a tattoo, and he still has, quote, no regrets, no regrets, excuse me, unquote. The Data 3 uses that tat twice a day and sends photos to his friends so they can use it. He hopes by the end of the year he'll have enough money saved to cover the costs of his Christmas food shopping. So apparently you can you can use like the code and you get you get money. He's he's earned 18 pounds worth of points so far from getting the tattoo inked on his forearm. Everything's going up in price, so I'm always making sure I get it scanned, said Dean Matthews. Sometimes when I go in there, the cashier doesn't believe it's real. I have to tell them, just scan it, please. And they're shocked. And there's actually pictures of him, and it's a uh, it's a real QR code. It's actually... Is there a picture of the QR code? Can yeah, we use it? Let's see if, I can, if you can see it through the glass here. Okay. Yeah, that's about what I was expecting. I mean... It's could, not could, too that bad. could be considered like a cool tattoo. Honestly, too, it's you know? yeah, it's kind of like you know, hipster. You had um, to, you had to be uh, that tattoo artist had to be pretty talented to to do that. Yeah, because if place. you if you mess up, like one little one, pixel yeah. Of it, or, I don't no, know, what seriously, do you call like it? one, yeah, whatever, whatever the hell it is, like it doesn't scan. It's like imagine you get that tattoo and you're trying to get scanned, doesn't work. I would be very disappointed. Says he does not regret getting the tattoo. Um, I could use the one on my phone, but. I want to use the one on my arm as it's funny. Oh, so he's a funny guy, huh? So he went from forgetting the phone to I want to save money to it's funny. Um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe keep uh, his two kids uh, in his prayers. And then last one, did you see the worms falling in Japan? No. Have you ever watched Watchmen? Yeah. Okay, you know how like uh, the worms fall from the sky or whatever? And that's that was caused like the entire yeah, thing with yeah. uh, Richard Nixon. Well, there was worms falling from the sky in Beijing, China, not Japan, excuse me, Beijing, China, um, and it turns out that there's actually, the world's not coming to an end, it's just a weird alternative event, but they've been swept up in a minor tornado, but were dumped on cars throughout the city, as you see in this picture here, Ty, um, the world's not ending in Beijing, China, it's just worms swept up from a local tornado. But instead of a rainstorm, it was a um, worm storm. According to El Geraldo, residents of Beijing have been advised to bring their umbrellas with them going outside this week. Although we assume it won't be because of the rain, it will be because of falling worms. Yeah, I totally trust you there, China. Nothing nothing weird happening at all. Worms falling from the sky. So it's the alleged tornado. Meanwhile, Chinese authorities have not apparently given any explanation as to what happened yet. How far is North Korea from China? Pretty close. Mm. All right. That's inconceivable. Hour number two coming up on Light the Tower.